the countdown anticipation. Will there be a Pablo or not? <laughs> Hooray! Celebration time. <laughs> it is celebration time. <laughs> Have the great Israel Gutierrez um, coming at us from not his usual beautiful home made even handsomer by the not very attractive background that you have today. Yeah. I went with the plainest wall in a hotel room. This is, uh, I'm in Atlanta and this is um, my hotel room. Welcome everyone. Great, everyone loves it in the A. All right, so we can't have too much fun just what? yet because we got a not fun first topic. So Alabaster, I will hand it to you for the heavy lifting of setting up this very, very sad story. Okay. The story in college basketball right now is Alabama basketball and the murder of a young single mother. There was one former Alabama basketball player involved charged with capital murder, Darius Miles, along with another man who allegedly pulled the trigger, Michael Lynn Davis. And to be complete, there was actually another Alabama player there, Jaden Bradley, who played 35 minutes on Wednesday night. But what we've learned in the last couple of days is Alabama superstar, their top recruit, potential top three pick, Brandon Miller was texted by Miles to bring his gun to outside of a bar. Brandon Miller drove over, allegedly had the gun there. Miles took it, gave it to Davis. The capital murder happened. What's being disputed still is whether Brandon Miller used his car to block the victim from leaving the scene, which could have avoided the entire thing. And last night he went out, he dropped 41 points. This is after Nate Oates really handled it clunkily and said, you know, I can't hand, I can't be in control of everything away from practice. Wrong place, wrong time. Um, and the, the the dialogue around all of this has been bizarre. It's been about how Brandon Miller's handled pressure, whether or not he should be playing playing or not. Fans chanting, "Lock him up!" Backlash to the backlash to the backlash. And what I want to know from you guys is what's been your takeaway from how Alabama has handled Brandon Miller. One other note as well uh, is that there's some dispute as to whether or not Miller knew the gun was in the car because it was like under clothes or something like that. So there's that as well. There's a lot of, of details there that are still to be, you know, hammered out, including, you know, whether or not the cars were parked behind the car of the victim on purpose in order to sort of block them in. And Dominique, I don't know where you start from this, but to me, this has been an absolute disgrace of a situation of a handling of a of a murder on a you know near a college campus involving a player who is high profile i think this is as 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 bad as it could have gone so far i don't know if you're feeling that strongly yeah i mean i i don't know how you could handle it any worse so like the idea i often think in situations like this after the thing has happened and then you're going to deal with the media or deal with uh, making decisions going forward about who plays when they play, how much time they play or what you should say. I feel like the best thing you can do is whatever you think is right, go further. Like overreact in these situations tends to be the best case because when someone loses their life, the everything else pales in comparison to how important it is. And I understand that that's probably not true for the coach 
or the players on the team and even probably some fans as uncomfortable for it is as comfortable as uncomfortable as it is for us to admit that I think to be fair they probably care more about the game and what's happening on the court than they care about anything else and they've proven that by the way that you talk about it and the way that you behave and the idea that you could say as a coach I your response is I'm not I can't be everywhere or wrong place, wrong time. It feels like an attempt to dismiss. So if there are people who are in these leadership positions in the future who are watching this or will hear about it, do more. That's all you can do is when you think this is the right thing to do, go one step further. And also I would say, how could you ever be surprised by obvious questions? And if you are not surprised by the obvious questions, then how could your response be so bad and insensitive that that to me is what I walked away feeling and it's it, it happens time and time again I feel like that it's hard to handle these things right I guess because you're not you don't get into coaching expecting to have to handle this right. but once it pops up all right you got time like it's not like a end of game decision and then you have to sit in front of the media immediately after like there are hours there are professionals and there are millions of dollars at an institution that should be preparing you for situations like this when they do come up. And if you're not ready, then you don't talk. And when in doubt, bench everybody, forfeit the game. Yeah. Like that, that's the, to me, that's the, the major, uh, like thing you should walk away with. It's, it's sort of a mind numbing lack of perspective uh, when it comes to this situation. And I think it probably, and this just sort of speaks to a greater issue with our country. It's like our, our valuing of human life has gone down. We have yeah. seen so many deaths, so many, you know, shootings and so many people, it even just it doesn't even have to be violent deaths. We've just seen deaths over the pandemic. And I think the value of human life is not as important to some people. It's shocking to say, because this wasn't just one young lady who lost her life. This was could have been several other people. This was downtown Tuscaloosa. This was, what is it, 11 shots fired? Um, there was, or eight shots fired, I believe it was. There was so much wrong with this situation that had to do so was so much bigger than basketball and then to 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 rush him back and, and play him why because his draft status is that important because the sec championship or the sec league record is that important and then you know to 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 put him out there is a disservice to him because then it seems like he has a lack of perspective. And I have no idea what Brandon Miller is like as a, you know, as an adult. I don't know if he is mature or not. I think he made some pretty immature and terrible decisions on that night. He could have done absolutely nothing and been better off for it. Or he could have done the exact opposite of what he did is tried to calm down, you know, a friend or teammate who had been drinking and was clearly in a or allegedly had been drinking and was in a in a, in a dispute. Um, that is something that you're already questioning his decision making. And then to all of a sudden just come back right back into the game and then have this great performance and then do the ice in my veins thing as if the basketball game means anything. Okay, whether or not you were responsible directly, indirectly, or any way in this woman's death, the fact that it happened so soon around you and you are all of a sudden, so there, there's so many yeah. people to blame here in this, in this failure of an organization of a team. And I would, I would still call to them to say, hey, yeah, I know he played in that last game. Take him out for a while. Have him sort of just settle into what just happened because 
if they just try to sweep this under the rug and allow this to be some sort of, oh, just something he went through. It wasn't him. It was his teammates. They can't charge him with anything. That's not just going to go away. It's not just going to go away from him. It's not going to go away from, you know, teams that are, are projected to draft him. It's going to stick with him. And it was just an absolute failure by all parties involved. Alabaster. So one thing, this happened on January 15th, and this came out to the public uh, because of court right. hearings. Like, to me, how have they let him be been out there for the last 10 games? And I, I, I need to ask a couple obvious questions. Okay. One, if this wasn't the best basketball team in, I don't know the history, but recent memory at Alabama, would he still right. be on the basketball team? And two, if he wasn't the best player they've had in 30 years, would he still be playing? Yeah, I'm sorry. I think I might have said that as if it just had happened. And I'm just talking about it being coming out and and, and everybody sort of knowing and and that whole idea. But I, I'm, I, uh, I don't know what you think about that, Don, but I, I definitely think it would have been treated differently if this was a team that was below 500. Yeah, I agree. And it treated differently if he was a player that was not as good. But I, I, I'm always in situations like this, like I am like urged to turn the mirror back on us. Would we care if he wasn't? Uh, a player that we cared about or a player that mattered would would we care if this team wasn't as good and as much as we can pile on the coaches and the players that are involved in this I think that not only should we look at ourselves but we should look higher like the athletic director because I, I think part of the culture of sport is we ingrain this nothing's more important than the winning in the players and the coaches and we reward it and we celebrate it and we pretend like that's important and that's the difference or well, i don't know if we pretend or not we certainly propagate it whether it's true or false we propagate this uh belief that the more committed that someone is the more they can put this other stuff out of their head the less they care about anything other than succeeding on the court the better off they'll be maybe that's true as a basketball player maybe it's I don't know one way or the other, but the fact of the matter is we promote it. Right, right. I don't want to get off of Nate Oates here, the coach, because, I mean, to sound irritated yeah. in this situation, to then give give that horrible wrong place, wrong time quote. Um, again, when you talk about a, a, a damning lack of perspective, he has had time to sit there and think about, like you mentioned, the, the the obvious questions. He has had time to think about how he's gonna handle this. He has had time to think about, you know, the idea that uh, Jamea Jonay Harris lost her life and she has a five-year-old child or had a five-year-old child. Um, and you're going to make it sound like Brandon Miller is inconvenienced, like you're being inconvenienced and say, like it is just jarring the lack of perspective in the world today or uh, in, around us and around sports today. And so, I, I think he should honestly, I don't even know if it's penalized. I don't know if the university can should or do anything. I think he should sort of self-penalize. I know he came back and apologized for that. But I think, again, when you talk about the, 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 actual, the actual crime at hand here and the, the lives of everybody that was affected so much greater than Brandon Miller's, than Nate Oates, than anybody else in that a Alabama uh, program, I think it's just, it's, I keep saying the same thing, but it's just this, this jarring lack of perspective and i think everybody everybody in sports needs to be sort of shaken a little bit and say hey we can't look past stuff like this this can't be normalized stuff we can't let players coaches whomever just keep going and and prioritize you know a professional basketball career over lost lives it's just not even on the same plane and so uh, i think anytime so to answer your question there charlie i think anytime 
there's a murder or there's a death involved in a, a, a sports team, a, a college sports team, especially just some such young men and women there. I think it's always going to be jarring. and I think it's always going to get our attention. I just think the headline's going to be a little different. It won't be, hey, Brandon Miller. It would just be Crimson Tide. All right. I mean, I'm not sure what else to do on this topic. Oh, you got it. I got, you got I got one, one more, one more question, okay. which is just the final layer of this, that this, the fact that we're talking about this now, this has really picked up steam in the last two days. There were the lock him up chance um, in his last game. The NCAA tournament starts in two and a half weeks. Do you expect with the media having their teeth in this story, it getting played out publicly for him to play the rest of the games, to play the SEC and NCAA tournament for Alabama? I mean, I think they've shown their cards. I think they know um, what they want to do. And I think um, that they will talk themselves into continuing to let him play. Um, personally, uh, I, the NCAA tournament does nothing for his draft stock. It is strictly uh, an experience for him. That's it. And so if you really want to talk about this, if you really want to look like a just a human just a human like you probably want to take attention away from all of that and i know you know you have teammates and i know you know you have expectations all that thrown out the window way more important things going on uh or just happened and so if you want to sort of salvage if he wants to salvage uh, a little bit of of his sort of uh reputation and if Alabama wants to do anything that seems like the right thing to do, I would say you should seriously consider having him step away from the program and and just consider what's best for him um, after all of this. Not not sort of claiming any sort of guilt or any sort of involvement or, or doing anything like that as a result. It's just, hey, something really serious happened for your betterment, uh, Brandon Miller. You're going to be gone after this season anyway. Heck, you might be gone after this semester. Um, we are we're going to move on. And I think to have everybody else sort of settle what has happened and sort of uh, get, uh, again, the proper perspective and just kind of uh, um, understand what really happened. And just I think that's probably the best way to go, because if we keep seeing him play, it's just going to, the conversation is going to be about basketball. It's going to be about his performance and it's never going to be about, you know, what actually happened. To be honest, I think what I'm doing and probably what Izzy's doing a little bit is we're starting at what we want to see and then trying to like back into a rationale for why that's what they should do. Right. I honestly think that at this point, I don't know why they would sit him. They've already endured whatever backlash comes with seeming insensitive. I don't think it gets any worse. I think that they probably, in part because they have, uh, they're, they're not unbiased in this meaning, everyone affiliated with the university, everyone affiliated with Brandon Miller, they're not unbiased. Their bias is to want to have as much success as possible, which includes having him on the floor. So I imagine that the logic there is nothing's gained, like you don't bring anybody back by sitting him down. He's not the one who pulled the trigger. So, and they're, they're, they're arguing at this point that there's reason that he didn't believe that he was doing the things that mm -hmm. are being alleged. So why would we punish him for making a mistake? But I wouldn't even consider it necessarily a punishment. I actually think it right. would be better for him. Like fast forward to the final four if Alabama gets there. And if there's more conversation over the few weeks about this, if there's more people telling you, 
You think he parked there by accident? All that stuff, it's all going to be out there and it's all going to be more fleshed out than ever. And here he is going to be in that spotlight. And for what? For a national championship in college? Again, it's not that whatever he does in this tournament, it might move him up one slot. And that's the that's that's the that's the thing is none of this benefits him. If anything, it benefits the school like he playing a year in college. I mean, doesn't really do anything for him as uh, his draft status is concerned. So I think it'd probably be smart for him to like step up and and step down, frankly. And I think from a maturity level, it would show a lot. And again, this is us wanting that for him or for whatever the program uh, for just for the situation. But and, and, you know, you can give me a counter argument that's pretty strong and I'm sure, you know, a, a, a good one. But that's that's what I think is best for Brandon Miller right. from here on out. All right. All right. It is wild. Grace Allen suspended a game for tripping people. Brandon Miller, not. Um, OK, let's talk about the dysfunction in Atlanta, where Izzy is currently. Nate McMillan is gone from the Hawks. There are rumors swirling of Quinn Snyder, Ime Udoka, yeah. Trey Young, the discontent of teammates playing with Trey Young. And that's where we're going to go. Is Trey Young the problem in Atlanta? <laughs> I feel like this has been the question everybody's been wanting to ask or been asking, you know, off camera uh, the entire couple of seasons since they uh, went to that uh, conference final. Um, here's the thing. We're going to find out pretty quickly because I think, you know, the complaints about Nate McMillan, it was, it was an old school offense. It was just, hey, pick and roll and everybody stand around. Um, but, I mean, I know that Utah offense was – very successful but it was a bunch of pick and rolls and guys standing around shooting threes (laughs) and but i do think it's a little bit more nuanced it's not as as simple as maybe nate's was and i think the personnel was there for utah where they took and made i believe the most threes for most of that season if not the the entire season last year and and that was without donovan mitchell having you know his most efficient season ever and so i think there's basically a blueprint there to say hey if you've got a capable lead guard um my offense, meaning Quinn Snyder, uh, can can create really good n- numbers, especially good shooting numbers. The Hawks' three point shooting has been trash all season long, and so if if Trey doesn't work with Quinn Snyder initially, or if Quinn Snyder says, "Hey, doesn't seem to be running my offense very well, makes poor decisions," he's going to be out. The next one that's going to be out is going to be Trey. Yeah, I mean, I tend to, as you know, side with the players and especially talented players it seems like finding talented players is the hardest thing to do particularly in basketball players that you can build your team around and for a hot second we thought or at least trey young had us believing that he was that type of player so i I, I, it's hard for me to say that the problem is trey young the problem might be the expectations that trey young has created around him because i think it's probably fair to say that He's not a, or I guess not that he's created around him, but ha- that have been created around him. Because I think we're at a point now, it's fair to say that he's not that type of talent. And obviously, Izzy, you know the basketball world more, better than I do, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the sense that he had a hot run and he had <laughs> big shots from deep and he's light-skinned and small and people are like, hey, Steph Curry again. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's fall into no, this No, I think what it was, so I think the arc for, for Trey was just in college. He was 
I mean, he was just such a willing shot taker. He would take shots from everywhere. He would make some deep ones. He was a great assist man. And it was almost like, hey, it's not quite Steph, but it's the only comp right. we got. So let's go with Steph. Um, I think he was never as good a shooter right. as it was painted. So he never should be in the same conversation as Steph in terms of the actual ability to shoot. I, I think what happens with Trey, what happened with Trey is he sort of fell in love with that, with like you're saying, that narrative and that idea. But if you watch him play, like his thing is his quickness. Like he can get anywhere on the floor. And if he just does that yeah. first and I foremost, mean, I guess like to break down the defense or whatever. And I think that's his greatest strength. So I guess the question that I'm asking is, is that whatever skill he has, and maybe you can blame coaching staff or whatever, or talent around him, not uh, optimizing that skill. But normally when there's like a, a top player on a team that you build around, they have a skill or a set of skills that is so special that you can't help but build around it. And I get the sense that, the skills or the set of skills that he has is not that. It's not great enough to be this type of player that we completely build around. And then you compound it by the fact that he's small and you think about that Heat series where it mm -hmm. just felt like he couldn't get a clean look. Yeah. And again, this could fall on Nate McMillan and obviously suppose a good coach and adapting in the playoffs from round to round. But it also just felt like he just may not be as good as they need him to be to be the centerpiece of this. You can't Jeremy Lin somebody a superstar out of the playoffs. Like you, 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 you have to be. You have to offer something, and right. he had nothing. And whether you blame Nate's offense or Nate's lack of creativity or whatever, um, which did, look, it, it's not like he is just a scapegoat here. He wasn't great uh, after that conference finals run uh, a couple years ago, Nate, and so uh, that's part of the reason why they were clashing. But. Uh, to me, if I'm going to maximize Trey Young's ability, that dude can average like 15 assists for me. Because right. right now he's averaging 26 and 10. All right. And he's shooting like 43%. There's no 32 from three. There's no real reason as an as a defender to think, oh, that guy's going to light me up. Or if he does, it's going to be at an inefficient pace. I'd get he's still giving you 10 dimes, which means he is drawing defense and finding, you know, enough players, uh, open teammates. If he just focuses on that more, because the defense is all going to collapse whenever he gets to the lane. He could he can give you that many. Like he could be the lead how leader in the system. I mean, I think that guy. We're talking a lot about his ability on the floor, but how much is it about his mentality, his maturity, his behavior, his his team stuff? Because I think that's a lot of the stuff that I'm hesitant to talk about because mm -hmm. I'm not in there and I'm not close enough to the to the sport. But are there things yeah. that you know about it that are helpful to understand? Well, I mean, there's things you can just just notice by watching or just by hearing, you know, some scuttlebutt from other players. But, but basically that they his teammates just don't love the way he plays a lot of the time um, when it's in isolation, um, especially when you add DeJounte Murray to the team. It just it creates another situation where it's just like a, a ball dominant guy. And it's just not as fun. It's just not as fun to play around him. Like you look at a guy like John Collins, um, you know, they've been talking about trading him for ever since they signed up to that to that extension. And why is that? It's because he hasn't improved. It's because they haven't given him a chance to, frankly, improve. He's basically been the same player the entire time, sort of watching Trey most of the time. So uh, I do think that there is, you know, the idea that DeJounte Murray would come in and there would just be this dynamic group. And I, I think that's sort of out the window. And I think most people are looking at a lot of people looking at the, you know, the front office and some of those decisions and even bringing in DeJounte Murray. But other I mean, people, like I said, I think Trey's the next one to go. Like if that's Go back to the, the decision to draft Trey in the first mm -hmm. place because I feel like we all kind of felt like it was the wrong choice at the time. Like Trey uh, over Luca was not 
something that I believe anyone thought was the right move other than the people in Atlanta. Alabaster, what you got? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point as well. But part of it, too, is it, in assessing his mentality, it's the fact that he just does not play off of the ball at all, and he should. Like, he's reached peak, peak, peak unhappy James Harden levels of if he doesn't have the ball, he stands 40 feet away from the basket and doesn't move. And that has rubbed teammates the wrong way. Like we know this specifically from locker room dustups where John Collins has been unhappy and Clint Capella actually had to intervene and be like, I saw this happen with Dwight and James Harden. Like you don't want to go down this path. You can play more like attempt to play more like Steve Nash than Harden. So it's been like and the, bantered about the difference before. there is what has, what has Trey done? In comparison to even Harden when he yeah. was with Dwight Howard, um, there you know I don't know if he felt entitled because of that one conference run, uh, conference championship game run. There were clearly great matchups in that playoff series for, for the Hawks, and there were clearly you know a year or two ahead. But even then, it was mostly the matchups. They got caught up in that one little run of success, and you know start, probably overshot. And so I think that feeling, I think Trey feels that as well. Like. Yeah. The idea that, hey, uh, we were that good and now we're not. It's not my fault. I was yeah. here when we were in the conference championships. I think that's why I started with, like, ability because mm -hmm. that's what it all goes down, comes back to. It's like no matter what we talk about him as a personality or him uh, working with other guys and how he performs off the ball, like, James Harden had all those same issues and complaints, but he was better. And so people put up with it, you know, and yep. I, I, you hear these type of stories about plenty of players all the time. I feel like you're more likely to hear it about a guy who's just not good enough to like get away with all this stuff. And so it's part of it is they drafted him where they drafted him and they wanted him to be the guy that they wanted him to be. And they tried to do everything to set him up to to be that guy. And he had enough success to to like credibly say, yeah, I am one of yeah. those guys. But he actually ain't. Like from a skill standpoint, he really ain't. So it's it's tough to combine that superstar uh, mindset and personality, and sometimes the drawbacks of that um, attitude with yeah. the the um, shooting ability. And, no, I think that James Harden comp is perfect because right? but James I mean, Harden was so nasty. About, <laughs> no, just, no, but I'm saying in terms yeah. of like the the complaints, right? Like, right. oh, he doesn't play defense, doesn't play off the ball, yeah. but damn near beat the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and right. Trey Young has not done anything like that, really. I mean, I threatened the best of the best of the East, and so feels like that that premature entitlement. And I went back and I looked at John Collins' numbers, and I feel like I'm sort of uh, doing most of the uh, the talking for John. But like, man, it was only 41 games in 1920, but he averaged 21 and 10, and now he's averaging 13 and seven. And it's it's sad because he's got the ability to do more, and that would be a great, you know, it's a great teammate for you. Sounds like um, John Collins would appreciate you as his spoke spokesperson. Listen, I'll take what three percent of the next deal. <laughs> oh, that's steep. Two. Okay, that's more like it. I think that's about <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the future is for Atlanta. I don't know what the future is for Trey Young. Like, we're obviously this is a league where where um, player movement is something that everyone is completely comfortable with. I think at this point, it's not going to happen. But there might be. Like he's he's a piece to a big. Why are you laughing? Are you laughing at me already projecting? Uh, no, no, Trey I was, Young I was, trades next season. I was just laughing. Don't worry about Atlanta. Nick Ressler's got them in good hands. Oh lord, <laughs> I'm I'm always worried about Atlanta. Even when Atlanta's good, they're only good for a year or two, and then, then it just falls apart again. I think this might be 
like this last 25 game stretch for Atlanta might be sort of a race to the bottom. And me, <laughs> because if they're going to move on from uh, from Trey Young, might as well get in the mix for a Scoot or an Amen Thompson in there. Oh, that'd be nice. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I thought you were laughing. I mean, you made me really um, self-conscious because I was just thinking of the way out of this for Atlanta and the way out of it is not bringing anybody in. It's probably sending people out. And like you mentioned, the John Collins thing has been years now that it, it feels like it pops up in everyone's trade discussions, but actually never happens. And maybe the next step is Trey Young. And I think new a new situation sometimes is that slap in the face that you need to like address those things. Like we saw Harden, we've seen Harden play off the ball better in yep. both Brooklyn and in uh, Philly. And uh, Trey hasn't had nearly the success that James Harden has. I mean, James Harden's an MVP, <laughs> yeah. league MVP. Like Trey Young's name has not been in those conversations. So we'll see. And then they mess around and go on a playoff run, and then we'll be back at square one. Acting he's still like, only twenty four. Yeah, theoretically, he's not even in his prime, Trey Young. So what's the prime? Twenty seven. That's the prime. I, I've always heard twenty seven, but I feel like maybe it's a little sooner because guys are turning pro earlier. So maybe yeah. it's like twenty five. Uh, so he's in his prime. 24. So, He's only 24. Well, he'll be in it next year. One Fox. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you self-conscious. I was laughing at the Hawks, not you. Uh, but okay, the second part, it. is Trey Young the Kyler Murray of, of the NBA? Oh, wow. um, ah, that's tough. Yeah, we're just coming up with great comps for, uh, for, for, for Trey Young. <laughs> uh, that's tough. I mean, he did get the big deal. Uh, he is kind of uh, not loved by some of his ex-teammates. And he also has the like off court uh, clauses in his contract. As Trey doesn't have those clauses, but he has the conversations that make it uncomfortable. That's a, that's a decent comp. Is I don't Trey know Young the, the Dom Capers oh, of the NBA because oh, his hair is jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Dom Capers looks incredible, by the way. How that's not a topic on the show, I don't know. I don't know what we would talk about, but we just put up the picture and and have at it. But yeah, I think Kyler Murray is actually better than Trey Young is the problem. Hmm. Better at video games? Absolutely. Admit it. <laughs> <laughs>